0: Some of you have seen that uh, PBS show, Antiques Roadshow. Um, for those of you that haven't, let me just give you the, the what, what happens there. Essentially what happens there is people bring their treasures and they have experts who basically they have different experts in, in, the, in, the, in the different pieces and pottery and art and different things like that. Uh, so they, they, they come before these experts and the idea is uh, the expert goes on and gives you much more information you ever wanted to know about the piece they brought in. And the person who brought it in is hanging on every word they're saying. Is that good? Is that bad? Or is, you know, essentially, the bottom line is all they really want to know about, and they kind of don't really say this, but I think that all the people really want to know about is how much is it worth, right? And so it'll play out like this. Somebody will bring a piece in, and they'll say, um, oh, this is a, a, a marvelous example of turn-of-the-century pottery. And they'll tell, go into all these details about it, and they'll say, well, where did you get it? And they'll say, well, um, uh, I was um, in a, at a garage sale, and it struck me, so I, I, I got it for $5. And they'll say something like, well, that was a good investment because it's worth $20,000. And you go, whoa, I never thought about that. That's great. That's amazing. That's amazing. And then somebody else will bring in something like that Aunt Clara passed down to them. And it's been a family treasure for years and years and years. And it's a cat dish and ashtray. And they've been storing their coins in it. And they'll, the, the same, you know, the expert will go on and say, Oh, this is, you know, this is wonderful. This is, this has had the details and how they painted it and, 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 and uh, fired it and, and everything. And then they'll come, and the person is thinking, good, 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 good. And say, yeah, it's not worth anything. <laughs> so they sprinkle these people. And usually it's only one or two people that have anything worth anything. The other ones are just kind of like they're going to lose, but you're always wondering which one is it, right? So that's like the, the charm of the program, at least for me. Um, so this weekend, what we're going to look at is we're going to look at two people who found treasure, and they immediately saw the value in it, and they immediately sold everything they had to get it. So we're going to look at that parable, and uh, I'd love you to follow along with me. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, and if you turn to page, I'm squinting down, 795, you can follow along. So Jesus is going to make a critical point in these parables, and I really want to call them mini parables, you know, because they're very short, and they both are saying essentially the same thing. And and, and interestingly enough, the point they make is something that Jesus says over and over and over. So let me read them. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and he bought that field. That's the first one. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and he bought it. Now, let's talk about them separately for a moment. The treasure hidden in the field. You say, well, that's odd, finding treasure in the field. But it really wasn't. In those days, they didn't generally have banks that you deposited your money in. And a lot of people didn't have extra money to deposit. So they would hide their money. They would dig it, and they put it into the ground. And uh, they would hide it into the ground. In fact, uh, if you remember another parable that Jesus told, the parable of the talents, let me read you a portion of that you don 't have to turn there um, so he gave the uh, the parable is about a man who gave talents a treasure, whatever it was that he gave to them, and he gave the same amount to three different groups and the first two the first two uh men that he gave the the parable uh, gave the money to they basically multiplied the the profit uh, but the third one he says this says this. <coughs> Then the man who received one bag of gold came and he said, Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered. And then he says, So I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, so we see this is a regular uh, practice in those days to do that. So somebody apparently had hidden some treasure in the ground. And this man, don't know if he was working in the fields or something along those lines, but he, he, he discovers this treasure. Maybe it was treasure that somebody had put there and forgotten about or for, didn't know the location or they had died or something had happened. But the man in the parable happens upon the treasure. He immediately finds it and he begins to rejoice. And he decides, I have to buy this field because if I buy this field, I get the treasure. And so he goes out, he sells everything he ha- has, it says, with joy. And he, get, he sells everything that he has so that he can buy the field. But he doesn't do it because he, oh, I guess I have to, he's just all excited. He can't wait to do it. He'll give anything for it. he is all in on this. Let's talk about the pearl for a minute. The pearl of great value. So this parable is about a merchant who is uh, looking for... Uh, going through. He must be an expert. And all of a sudden, that one pearl, that pearl of a lifetime comes, and he sees it. And he, he, he assesses the value immediately, and he says, this is worth everything. And he sells everything he has so that he can purchase this pearl. Now, he sells everything he has, and he buys the pearl. What I want to do for the rest of the time we have is I want to look at these parables and say, what lessons can we learn? Because as I said, these are lessons that Jesus taught on a regular basis over and over and over. We'll see examples of that. Here's, here's uh, three lessons I think we can draw from these two mini parables. First one is this, that Jesus requires an all-in commitment from us. An all-in commitment. Notice the man who finds the treasure, both of them, they sell all they have. The, the man so, sold all that he had so that he could have the field. Uh, the other man sold everything that he had so that he could buy the pearls. So they were all in. There was no, like, uh, I'll pay this much for it. There was no negotiation. It was all or nothing, right? Now, some people think of commitment to Jesus as an addition to their life. And uh, so, t- you know, and sometimes, unfortunately, the gospel is printed in that way, that when you put your faith in Jesus, he will fix all your problems. He will help you. And you say, well, I do need that. And that's a good thing to add to my life. So it's kind of like a, a health club membership. I'll add Jesus to my life, and, and I'll go on this, do this, and I'll add this, and I'll add this. And so Jesus essentially becomes an accessory. But here's the point. When we see Jesus on the cross, and we think of Good Friday, uh, we think of Jesus basically saying to us, I was all in for you. I, I, I wasn't an accessory. I was all in. And so he was all in for you, so he calls you to be all in for him. Jesus pointed this out in Matthew chapter 19, verse 29. I'll read this, uh, these verses to you. You can mark them down. Jesus says this, Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. Now, there are a lot of people there are people that even would say, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, who see Jesus as merely an addition, an accessory to their lives. But Jesus came to give us life itself. He came, it says he came to give us abundant life. In fact, without Jesus in this universe, there is no life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the creator and sustainer of life. There would be no universe, there would be no life as we know it without him. Add to that, he not only created the heavens and the earth, created us in his image, but he entered into our world. He entered into our world and he became human. He lived with us. He not only created us, he saves us. He is worthy of our praise and he's worthy of our commitment. Jesus and this is the point, I think, of the parable. Jesus is the treasure in the field. Jesus is the pearl of great price. Finding him and, and discovering him, it means that we have to be all in for him if we want him. Jesus is not an accessory we add to our lives. He is life itself. Now, many people, and you, you maybe have friends or family members or people that you know at work who have maybe a tattoo of a cross or they, have a, they wear a, a cross around their neck or something along those lines. And it's become almost a fashion statement or it's become almost, I mean, the thing to, 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 that, that I find, it's just, and you've seen it too probably, where I see somebody who is either has a tattoo of a cross or is wearing a cross and they're taking the name of the Lord in vain. And I'm going, wait a minute, time out here. You're not getting this. You're not getting this. Um, but many people see it as a fashion statement or they see, uh, a, a, you know, the tattoo of the cross as some sort of a, a statement, uh, but it doesn't really affect their behaviors or actions. Some people have Jesus in their back pocket like I do tonight. I have Jesus in my back pocket. <laughs> he's, he, you know what, he's always with me and I can pull him out whenever I need him. And I can say, Jesus, what should I do right now? And Jesus could weigh in and tell me what he thinks I should do. And I can decide whether I want to agree with that or if I want to put him back in my pocket for another time when I may need him. His counsel, his advice. I can't get him into my pocket because he doesn't want to go there. And by the way, he is bendable, so we can say touchdown, you know. Uh, Anyway, My, my point is... Jesus, for many people, has become that silly. He's an accessory. He's something we add to our lives. He is, uh, he is not Lord of our lives. Um, it's almost as though Jesus is like choosing an accessory for our car. Yeah, I want air conditioning. It can get hot here in the summer. Oh, yes, I'd like a better radio or, or something like that. But what does it mean when we say that Jesus is Lord of our lives? What does it mean to be all in for Jesus? After all, he was all in for us. And the question I want to ask for just a few minutes is this. How do you know if you've made a Jesus an accessory to your life? Is he just an accessory or is he Lord of your life? How do you know that? Well, let me, let me ask you a few questions because one or maybe more of these will speak to uh, maybe an area of your life. Let me ask you this. Is he Lord of your conduct? And what do I mean by that? Uh, Does Jesus desires to uh, to his will to overrule all of your actions, your words, your feelings, your very character? Is Jesus doing that right now? Is he overruling your character, your feelings, your words, your actions? Is he ruling and reigning in your life? Did he do it this last week? I mean, was, was Jesus with you this week? When your mouth was going somewhere, where your feelings were going somewhere, where you and, and again, I understand feelings are things that we have, but the question is, what do you do with those feelings? Anger, hatred, fear. What do you do with those things? What do you do with your words? How about your actions? Did you go some places that, that, that where Jesus was with you, but really wasn't with you? I mean, you wouldn't pull them out and say, what do you think? Pretty cool, huh? No, those are the moments where you go, no, I don't really hope you weren't with me right there. Is he he Lord of your conduct? Secondly, is he Lord of your relationships? Jesus wants to direct all of your dating relationships, how you treat your spouse. You know, I'm really getting tired of hearing uh, of how men are saying to their wives, you have to obey me because the Bible says you need to submit to me. Yeah, I'm getting tired of hearing that. Because generally, the, the men that I'm hearing that from or I'm hearing of is, are men who are not loving their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Because it does say that, too. He wants to rule over uh, the way you parent your children. He wants the Lord over every interaction with your business associates. How did it go this week at work? Were there conversations that you had where you were glad Jesus wasn't like right here with you, but he was kind of in the back pocket. Hopefully he fell asleep or something. He got bored or something like that. See, all of your relationships must yield to his rule. This is what it means to be all in for Jesus. This is what it means... To say that Jesus is not just an accessory that I add; He's not just, uh, you know, somebody that I ask for advice or when I'm in a bad place I say, "Jesus, get me out of here." But it's it's a little bit more than that. It's a lot more than that. It's the pearl. It's the treasure. Is He Lord of your time? You know, we all have the same amount of time. When was the last time you even asked Jesus? You woke up one day, and you, this week maybe, and you said, Jesus, what do you want me to do today? I'm your servant. Have you ever asked Jesus, how do you want me to spend my life? I mean, seriously, when you take a career, have you ever thought, well, how is this going to play in my, my relationship with my Lord? Would you take? Let me ask you a question. and this is where this will get into the next, next couple. Uh, would you take a job if you said this job is going to pay me more money, but it's going to give me it's going to it's going to bring some conflict in a point that we're we're going to kind of go in a different trajectory from one another. If I take this job, but if I take another job that pays you the same amount or a little less. Our relationship is going to go to a deeper, deeper level. Have you ever thought of even making that distinction as you take a job? Because our culture basically says, get as much as you can. That's really what it's all about. And if Jesus fits in there somewhere, good. If he doesn't, well, you know, someday. Is he Lord of your talents? Uh, let me Let me just... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you, when we become a Christian, what we're told in the New Testament is that we're giving supernatural abilities, or we call them spiritual gifts, and uh, they're not to be used for us; they're to be used for others. We're deploy, we're to deploy them for the good of the church, the local church, and for His kingdom. That's what we're, we're given those gifts for. And you know, one of the things that that I've learned about grace, grace, we have compartmentalized grace in America. Grace is all about what God has done for me, right? So if you're here today and you've you heard the gospel and uh, God has spoken to your heart and he's wakened your soul and he's given you life and he's opened your eyes and you hear him, his voice now and you see him and you get it and you read the Bible and he's speaking to you now. Jesus is with you now. Um, what are you doing with that grace? Grace isn't meant to keep, be kept, it's meant to be given. We aren't to keep it to ourselves, we're to give it to others. That's why Jesus says, "When you are a light, don't you have a light don't don't put it under a bushel, take let it shine before all men so that they may glorify your Father in heaven." Grace is given to you for others, not for you. It's not to end here. You know, we're not to be a dead sea of grace. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Yeah, when you think of geography and if you don't know geography of the Sea of Galilee in the north You have the Jordan River that flows into the Dead Sea. The Sea of Galilee is where Jesus did all his fishing. That's where they're out in the boats and they're fishing and doing all that stuff. And the Jordan River was John baptized in the Jordan River, right? You come to the Dead Sea. You know why they call it the Dead Sea? Because it's dead. There isn't anything growing there. And the answer is because if you're only just taking in, you're never giving out. You begin to die. Grace isn't given to you to keep. It's given to you to give. So what are you doing with your talents? He's given you gifts in the area of, maybe he's given you gifts in the area of music or teaching or mercy or, or helping or interceding, whatever it is. How are you investing those supernatural spiritual gifts for the good of the body, for the good of his kingdom? How are you doing that? Is he Lord of your treasure? Uh, according to Christ, he says, well, "For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." Somebody has said, and I like this, Jesus knows that until he has what you have, he doesn't have you. Until he has what you have, he doesn't have you. That's why he said to the rich young ruler, he says, uh, he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Great question. And he says, well, keep the law. And he says, well, I have since a little, I was about this tall. And I started keeping the law and I've been doing a pretty good job, if I might say so myself. And I will, and I did. And Jesus okay, we'll just, take whatever you said for granted and we'll just go another level. Okay, you're uh, sell all that you have, give it to the poor and come follow me. And it says the man basically walked away sad because he was very rich. Jesus knows that until he has what you have, he doesn't have you. Now, here's a surprise. When you su- surrender all that he has given you, To his lordship, he gives it back to you so that you can use it for others. You see, what what Jesus wants to do is for us to loosen our grip and to realize that we're really not owners anyway. We're just stewards. It's all his given to us, gifted to us to be good stewards because one day we will be held accountable for all of that. You see, we're asking the question right now, how do I know if I've made Jesus an accessory or is he the Lord of my life? How do I know? Do I just pull him out when I need him and shoot a prayer to him when I need him? Do I look for him for direction and and say, well, I'll I'll take it as counsel, but I'm not sure if that's really what I'm going to do. Somebody has well said, if Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. So that's the first thing. The first thing is that Jesus was all in for us and and we need to be all in for him. That's what the pearl of great price, that's what the treasure means. that, That both the men that found either the treasure or the pearl, when they found it, they paid everything. They were all in for it. They were absolutely all in for it. They sold everything they had. They gave away everything they have so they could purchase those things. Here's the second uh, truth. Not everyone sees the value of an all-in commitment to Jesus. I talked about the the rich young ruler, and and he's a perfect example. He understood what Jesus was asking. Jesus was asking him for an all-in commitment. Come follow me. Give it all away and come follow me. Trust me. Don't trust your money. Don't trust your money for, for support, for, for status, for, for anything. Give it all away and come follow me. Trust that I, the creator of the universe, the one who created you in my image, that I will give you a better life than you have now. Trust me for that. And it says that the man walked away uh, sad. You see, it wasn't worth it to the man to give up all that he had and to follow Jesus. It wasn't worth it. The man walked away sad. Now, in, in the parables, both the men in the field and the merchant understood the value of the treasure and, and, and were willing to give up everything they had. It wasn't even close. They, they never. There's no debate in there about, what, should I or do I want to or reckoning? It was like, I'm in. I'm done. This, we have, I have to do this. Now, it's important to see That these parables, and and this is just kind of a quick uh, theological moment, call it that. It's important to see that these parables are not teaching us how we earn our salvation. Notice each man has found something the others have missed. They've made uh, an all-in commitment because of the treasure. We need to remember that we can't take this parable by itself. There are other parables and there are other portions of Scripture that give uh, this is a snapshot of one portion of the gospel, one portion of grace, one portion of the kingdom of God, not all of it, so let 's not draw the doctrine on those one point let 's have a robust uh, movement at this, but we need to remember that we can 't take this parable by itself that the, 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 there is a context of parables in jesus teaching you don 't earn the kingdom of heaven. By the thoroughness of your commitment. These men didn't didn't deserve it and earn it and work for it. That's not what it's saying. The willingness to sell everything is how we receive the kingdom of heaven. But it's not the way we merit the kingdom of heaven. There is something we must do to receive the kingdom of heaven. That's what these parables teach. But there's nothing we can do to earn the kingdom of heaven. For instance, let me give you an example. Back there on the wall, there's a light switch. Now, the switch doesn't power the lights. There's power already that is going to the lights. The switch just decides whether the lights are going to go on or off, basically. But they don't produce the power. They merely make the decision of whether the lights going to go on and off. So, the point is, we don't earn treasure. And these men didn't earn the treasure. They discovered the treasure. And they willingly committed everything they had to get it. The value is in the treasure, not in the effort. But their effort was necessary to obtain the treasure. We're told the salvation is a gift from God. Uh, But we're also told that we must call on the name of the Lord. Jesus tells people over and over to drop everything and come follow him. But he was the one who brought salvation because of the cross. It's very important to understand that. In other words, what I'm saying is the kingdom of God... Our salvation is received, it's not earned. It's not something we have done to earn it, but it is something we have discovered. Now, let me just say this. So, um, when the gospel is presented to us, we have to determine uh, what we're going to do. The rich young ruler heard the call of Jesus. At that moment, he had a decision to make. Salvation, he wasn't going to save himself, but he was going to determine whether he was going to be saved. Because the salvation had to come from someone else, someone outside of him. Um, When the two men come to the treasure, which represents salvation, the kingdom of God, they immediately were willing to give up everything to get it. They didn't earn it. They discovered it. They saw something that others didn't see. You know I was watching uh again on PBS last night I was UB- it was on uh YouTube. They had a uh, 5 or 6 hour and, and and there was a lot of gaps in there but essentially they had the funeral service for Billy Graham. And Billy Graham would always give let me just say this put a little caveat in there real quick here. Um I read also read an an article pretty scathing rebuke of Billy Graham in the New York Post today. And, and, you know, you'd expect it from the New York Post. But um, basically, essentially what the article said was Billy Graham wasn't a good, uh, you know, wasn't this perfect person that uh, people think say, make him out to be. And I think Billy Graham would say, yeah, that, that's true, absolutely true. Um, I'm a sinner, and uh, I needed a Savior. That's kind of what I told people about. He received the grace, but he gave the grace out to millions and millions of people. At every one of his uh, rallies, at every one of his uh, meetings, he would always give an invitation. And the invitation was always, you can come to Christ, you can have your sins forgiven. That's essentially what he said at every one of his rallies. And he asked people to come forward. The, The act of people getting up and coming forward. Now, the question is, millions and millions and millions of people heard that message. But not everyone said I'll give everything up for that. I will follow you. I will turn my life over to you. God, creator, savior of the universe, I, I will do that. Not everyone discussed, Not everyone saw the value of it. In fact, when it com- c- came down to it, the rich young ruler was at a place where he had to decide Is it worth to give everything up and follow Jesus or continue on in the life I know? And that is the challenge that every one of us faces in this room. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Uh, There are many people who have seen the treasure in the field. They have seen the pearl of great price. They have missed the value of those treasures. And they have moved on. Because they have been told, they believe that there is something within this world greater than Jesus. Something in this world that better that they can give their lives to it. Maybe a pursuit of sports or a pursuit of a career or a pursuit of a relationship. But they believe that this is going to give them more than Jesus could ever give them. So when push comes to shove, if they're in a relationship with another person and, and the call comes Will you follow Jesus? And, and this person is saying, no, I'm not into that. That's not my bag. That's not what I want to do. And they say, but I, will, I, will, I have to have this person to make my life full. Instead of walking away and saying, no, it's only Jesus. You see, what makes this parable surprising is that these two men discovered something. And, and many, many, many people have heard the gospel. But not everyone has said, I must have it. I must have this treasure. I must have this pearl of great price. And I will give everything for it. Some of you, I hope many of you in this audience today, would say, I saw the value. I was all in because he was all in for me. I gave my life to him because he gave his life to me. And I have never regretted a moment of that decision. In fact, if I could have done it sooner, I would have. Because I have the pearl of great. I have the treasure of the field. I have Jesus. I have hope. I have purpose. I have meaning. I have forgiveness. I have eternal life. I have all of that and more. I have abundant life here and now. Many people have heard all about Jesus. They've heard all about forgiveness and freedom. How he brings hope in this life and the next. And yet they have put off committing their lives like the rich young ruler. Because they, like the ruler, are convinced that this created world offers more for them than Jesus. They're absolutely convinced of it. So the question is, where are you today? The call of Jesus is going out. You're the rich young ruler. You you are hearing the voice. And and the disciples said, we've left all to follow you, Jesus. If you leave your mothers and your brothers and your sisters and everything and come and follow me, it will not be a mistake. It will be the best decision you ever make. You will have treasure beyond your wildest imagination. So, Jesus demands an all-in commitment He's not an accessory that we carry around with us, and we use his name every now and then, and then we pull him out when we need advice or something that we may or may not follow. He is not an accessory to add to our lives. We're either all in for him or we're not in at all. Secondly, the surprising thing is that not everyone's, everyone can hear about the the, the pearl of great value, about the treasure in the but not everyone will respond because they don't believe that Jesus can bring them life. Third thing: the all-in cost is gladly paid by those who find Jesus. The, the, the thing that's uh, interesting about these, uh, w- immediately when the man finds the field, he, he, he begins to run scenarios. How am I going to get them? How am I going to liquidate every last dime that I have so that I can get this? The man with the pearl says, I'll sell everything I have to get this. They're not going, Oh, do I have to? Must I? I've talked with people where I've shared the gospel and they say to me, well, does that mean I have to do this and that and this? And I'm getting, you're not getting the value of the pearl and of the treasure. You're not getting that. You can't have one foot in the kingdom of God and the other foot in this world. You can't do that. Both men who found the treasure and the merchant who discovered the pearl joyfully sold everything they had. Giving up everything to gain the treasure wasn't a burden but a pleasure. It wasn't a duty. It was a delight. The same is true for us. We don't find it burdensome to follow Jesus. So we, don't, we don't have regrets and say, Oh, I wish I hadn't done that. We were willing to give everything up And we don't regret it for a moment. We have found the mother of all investments. We have found the treasure. We have found the pearl. And we say, I I found life. Why would I give that away? We found freedom, forgiveness, hope, abundant life now and eternal life in the future. We have found the one one our soul was longing for. We have found riches beyond our wildest imagination. We have found... Our way in this world, we have found purpose and meaning. So Jesus tells us these two many parables. And he says, there was this treasure. It was buried in a field. There was this this pearl. And it came across this, this, uh, this merchant one day. And they saw the value. And they were all in for it. And they had joy. On the other side, you have the rich young ruler who is confronted with the same decision and walked away sadly. The biggest question, I think, that we, or one of the biggest questions that we have to answer in this life is is giving up everything to follow Jesus worth it? Is it worth it? I think for many people, they understand the gospel. They understand the call of the gospel. They understand the incredible investment it's going to be. That we're not, we're not just adding a Jesus to our back pocket to walk around with and pull him out when we want. But we're giving our very lives, our, very, our, 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 our the totality of who we are as a person. We're giving that to Jesus. The rich young ruler said, no, it's not worth it. When push comes to shove, it's not worth it. Both the people in our parables, the man who found the treasure in the field and the merchant who found the pearl said, absolutely, absolutely. So the question for us this this weekend is this. How is it with you? Over and over and over, Jesus looked at his followers and said, Are you all in? Are you ready to follow me or not? Because you, I will not be an accessory. Don't put me on your body as a tattoo or wear me as, as jewelry. I'm either Lord of your life or I'm not Lord of all. If I'm not Lord of all, you have nothing. You have nothing. So where are you at? Where are you at? Powerful little stories that Jesus tells us. And he told them over and over and over. And he confronted people with them over and over and over. The question is, sermon is over. But it's just, the application is just starting in our lives. Stand with me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing us together this weekend so we can think on some really important concepts, life-changing, eternal life concepts. Thank you for um, so simply stating what the kingdom of God, entrance into the kingdom of God, what the, what the, what the pearl and what the treasure, what they mean. Help us to reflect on our own lives and our own hearts, Father. Is Jesus Lord of all? Or is he not Lord at all? Are we carrying him around in our pocket, pulling him out when we need him? Or have we given everything up to follow him? May your spirit speak to our hearts and direct us into the areas that we need to deal with. Because this lordship thing isn't something that just happens overnight. It is a daily, moment-by-moment challenge. And this week, we're going to be challenged. Am I lord or not? Do you value me or not? May we uh, follow the prompting of your spirit and may we live our lives with you, Lord, over everything. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.